Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up to the minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime on your desktop or your mobile device. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team, and remember to use promo code BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, the game starts here. Spring training is open, and B. Scott is here to talk about it with me. Let's do this. What's up, H-Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast, your home for all things Astros, with your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blob. Now, here's Balky and Blubber. What is up, Astros fans? Welcome to episode 104 of the Believe in Astros podcast on Believe Podcasting Network. I'm Jeff Balky. It's spring training, baby. Uh, it's also new cap season, right? I've, I've already got a couple. This is one. I got a couple more. My wife is super annoyed already that I'm buying new hats. <laughs> so, uh, but they, you know, my hat closet has got to get bigger. That's because the hat game has got to be strong. Here with me, I, to, like, that. I to, like that one. Hey, I like appreciate. That. Yeah, I like this one too. Yeah. I, you know, man, I love the flex hats. Those are my favorites out of all of them because I have a big head. So the fitted hats, I, I, it's hard for me to get exactly the right size. And uh, see, I'm, so these I'm the opposite though. The the flex hats don't look good over the dreadlocks. Oh yeah, so that I've, makes total I've, sense. I've got to go fitted hats. Yeah, so at I, least the the flat bill. I got to go flat bill see, for it to look right. I can't bit. do the flat bill because I'm way 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 too white for that. So if I wear the flat bill, <laughs> I mean, I look nah. like I look like a nerd. I look like a super nerd. Nah. I look don't too sell weird. Short, that. man. Everybody, don't welcome uh, short. my friend uh, from Sports Radio 610, Brandon Scott. B. Scott, how are you this morning, my friend? Man, I'm doing well, man. I'm happy to be here anytime that I'm invited on to to, to join you and, and, and talk about the Astros. It's always an honor and a pleasure. And, and look, man, we're right here in the thick of you know spring training. Uh, baseball season's really right. We say it's right around the corner, but once spring training hits, man, it's begun. It's on. So I, I'm ready to get after it, man. Yeah, so, you know, I know on Twitter your name, or on X, excuse me, whatever the – Hell it is. Your your name on there is B. Scott from the Hiram Clark. Did I ever tell you that I played a gig in the Hiram Clark years ago? I played a backyard party in the HC. My really good buddy of mine, rest in peace, my buddy Joe Jackson, was an amazing percussion player. Uh, He was from Hiram Clark as well. And we drove deep into the heart of the Hiram Clark and played a backyard party that had no fence. It just looked out on the bayou. (laughs) We played for like three hours and ate and drank until we were silly. So I love me some Hiram Clark. Yeah, uh, I'm right. Uh, so I'm. I, I grew up in Windsor Village. Yeah, and exactly and so the bayou, the bayou is right, literally across the. So my neighbor across the street, their backyards are on the basically on the bayou. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. how a lot of them are, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, I went over. I, I went over there to a number of parties, but I played one. It was a, it was a, that was a, that was a rollicking good time. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. awesome. Uh, first, yeah. we need to talk about your Super Bowl experience. But was this the first time you've gone to a Super Bowl and Radio Row and done all that stuff? Yeah, man, my Radio Row initiation, wow. first time doing the, you know, the Super Bowl, all of the, the whole shebang, and only my second time in Vegas. 
So for it to for it to all go down like that was really incredible. I'm gonna be honest with you, it started off pretty rocky. <laughs> Because here's the thing, man. I'd only been to Vegas once, and it was in the summertime, and it was beautiful. But every Vegas story that I've ever heard from any friend or acquaintance has never included rain. I've I, never heard right. I forgot about, about that. You guys had I've all that rain talked about. Yeah, I've it, never heard anybody talk about. Yeah, it when rain you and, and the funny thing about it is, if you get one inch of rain in the desert, it's like us getting like twelve inches of rain. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, but since I've spent so little time in the desert, I had not really considered that. Who you know, would? just you know, I'm going there for the Super Bowl. I'm you know, I'm gonna go talk to Patrick Mahomes yeah. and Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and you know, I'm gonna go be at the NFL honors with CJ Stroud and Will Anderson and D'Amico Ryans and the McNairs and I'm gonna see all of these NFL, you know, I'm, I'm going to see, I'm running to Gail King, wow. you know, uh, Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft are going to be there. I'm going to be right there rubbing elbows with these people. I don't, I'm not thinking about the rain and dude, <laughs> it rained, it rained, man. And so our, our hotel, I stayed at the link, which is on the strip. It's, uh, it's kind of connected to Harris and mm. <laughs> we're there, you know, ride sharing. But the ride share area at this particular hotel is right there in the flood. There's no way to get to your ride share without wetting your shoes and socks or whatever it is. You need boots or a boat to get to your Uber. <laughs> and and so, up. Um, so that that part of it was uh, was frustrating. Once it stopped raining, raining, it was an incredible experience. Man. Uh, parties, uh, red carpets. Uh, opening night, like I mentioned, where we were able to, you know, interview the players. We, we had access to the players throughout the week, but once I did that Monday night, I didn't, you know, keep doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, we just kind of stuck to Radio Row. But Radio Row itself, incredible experience. Yeah, um, I'm not a big gambling guy. Yeah, me uh, either. You know, I, I, I like to when I spend my money. I'm not. not and it's not to say that I that I'm not frivolous with money sometimes. <laughs> <clears throat> you just me, want, what I am. You just want to show something to show for it. I want to receive something back. And it's, we can debate and argue about what it is that I got back. Right. Whether it was a frivolous purchase or whether I'm stupid for doing it. Right. But I'm getting something. Exactly. I'm getting something and I like it. And it's my money. That's right. So so there's the, so that's that's kind of my but I had some cool experiences with yeah. that, you know, uh <laughs> observing and watching and people yeah. watching and just the whole thing, man. I spent five days there, which is way too long. Yep. But for the experience, man, I would not have traded it. Yeah, it's trade it for gambling's one of those things. My wife and I were were in uh, this when she was still the editor at Houstonia Magazine, and we were doing a. She was doing a story. We did this bizarre story where we drove an RV to Lake Charles and went to the Golden Nugget. I have no idea why. It was so weird. Um, but we, we we literally went to the craps table. I lost thirty three dollars in the span of about ninety seconds. I was like, "That's good. Let's go eat dinner. I'm good. I don't need to lose any more money. I need something back for my cash." Yeah, yeah. I, I remember my first time in Vegas winning maybe like a hundred and fifty dollars, hundred and sixty. Mm-hmm. I don't know, something like that, a small amount of money. And I kept playing. Yep. That's and the- by the yeah, that's how and, it works. And by the end of it, by the end of it, I'd lost not only that amount, <laughs> but I'd lost sixty. House so always wins. Yeah. yeah, and we're talking about a very small amount of money here. But at the time, all of it was a lot to me. Yeah, and I'm just kind of dabbling. I'm there, like I said, I'm there with my parents. Early adulthood. Yeah, don't have a lot of money, you know. 
I'm good. I'm good. I'll keep 60 bucks. I'll keep buying. I was, (laughs) I'll just keep buying baseball caps, man. That's good for me. I'll 60 bucks back. Exactly. (laughs) But before we dig too much into baseball, it is black history month. Um, I wanted to mention condolences to the family of former rocket, uh, Robert Reed, who passed away yesterday. He had a long battle with cancer. Look, Robert Reed was one of my favorites growing up. I used to wear my socks up high. Like he did. I actually got to meet him. I went to, um, when I was a kid in like fifth grade, I went to Rudy Tomjanovich basketball camp, just mm-hmm. a Blinn college. And, uh, and I actually, weirdly enough, I got really sick during camp. I had to leave about halfway through, but I did get to meet Robert Reed before I left. And I remember just the sweetest guy, um, and, and just a really good, cool basketball player. Like just not just a great basketball player, but cool. Like he was like, I always loved guys like him. I love guys like Dr. J and I love Rodney McRae when he played for the, I love the Robert Ori. I love those like long lean sort of small forward type guys of old and uh man he was just the best so really condolences to his family because that's just it sucks cancer sucks yeah yeah i spent a lot of the morning um a lot of the morning reading about two guys who were greats of their time really really good for their time and just before my time yeah and that's J.R. Richard and yeah. Robert Reed. You know, I knew we were going to talk about J.R. on the show. Yeah. And then, the you know, Robert Reed's passing comes up, yep. you know, yesterday, you know, before we meet. So I spent some time just looking. I'd, I'd obviously known about him, known about him being a part of those runs in the 80s. Uh, but just spent a lot of time just going back and looking at the, mm. you know, the change of ownership in the yep. 80s. You know, uh, the change from the Maloofs, uh, uh, the change... Uh, that that led to that ultimately led to Moses Malone's uh, being traded to the 76ers yeah, like things Philly. that I knew about but just did not think about a lot yeah um, because <clears throat> they happened before my time yeah spent a lot of time reading about it and, and and I got into that rabbit hole because I wanted to read more about about Robert Reed who by, by the way as you mentioned that that is all I've heard, and, and it's not. People, yeah. people have always qualified it like it's not just because he's passing away. This no. is really the truth. He's one of the nicest yeah. human beings that you'll ever come across if you're fortunate enough to come across. Yeah, so, very sweet, very yeah. soft spoken. Um, I I actually ran into him oh 25 years ago. I was at a <clears throat> I was at the Magnolia Barn Grill, which used to be at the corner of like Richmond and Fountain View. And uh, I was actually playing a gig and uh, he happened to walk in and he was eating. And on a break, I just went up to him and I, I said, you know, I didn't, you know, I was one of those, I don't normally introduce myself to people like that. It's just, he's like a big hero of mine growing up. And I wanted to mention that I'd met him at Rudy T's basketball camp and he was just as sweet as he could be. Um, he was, he and Calvin Murphy were my two guys growing up when I was really young, because that was, you know, I mean, when Robert Reed was playing early 80s, I was, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, something like that. Um, and so I, I really enjoyed watching him play. I loved his style of play. And I, and, and he and Calvin were my two guys for sure. Um, really fascinating time for the Rockets, too. Um, a lot of interesting players back then. Worth taking a look back if you've never looked back at him. You mentioned J.R. Richard. I'm really glad you did. The Athletic is doing this piece. It's these 13 aces, and they're talking specifically about black pitchers in baseball, which is, uh, you know, has been an uh, an outlier uh, over many years. Richard, I I was too young really to see him in his prime. I was you know 76, 77 in there. 
Um, mm. uh, but I did see him, you know, maybe in 80, like right at the tail end uh, before he had his stroke. His story is incredible because never mind the fact that he was this dominating, intimidating pitcher on an Astros team that already had Nolan Ryan, who might be the most intimidating pitcher of all time. And Negro. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, exactly. Negro was playing yeah. for that team, too. I mean, t- and Mike Scott came onto that team. I mean, there was just a crazy uh, roster of pitchers in the Astrodome, by the way, which was not a hitter's park by any means. But the other thing, too, is his story is amazing. You know, he was he was a homeless Right. He had a stroke. He like lost his career. He ended up living like under a bridge in Houston and like somebody found him like a reporter. I don't remember the whole story. He had this comeback where he he came back into society again, um, you know, became uh, became a a minister, um, worked with a lot of young kids just and and just a gentle giant. I mean, a huge guy, six, seven um, and just so sweet. I met him once many years ago and he was just as nice as you could possibly imagine and just an incredible story for somebody who went literally from the the pinnacle you know just being a like a terrifying pitcher for people to a guy who ended up like with nothing i mean it's it's amazing that story and how it turned around and just it's so deserving to be among this group of just incredible pitchers yeah one of the best pitchers in baseball from about 76 to 80. Yeah, that's right. Somewhere in there up until the point where, you know, he has a stroke and his career is derailed or cut short early. Yeah. Uh, But, but a fascinating, fascinating figure. Um, Absolutely. One, one thing that stood stood out to me about J.R. Richard is when he, you know, when he passed away a few years ago now, you know, Dusty Baker at the time is the manager of the Astros and he, and he's asked about him and I've, and I've heard him talk about this since then. He mentions, you know, he he faced J.R. Richard, but also, you know, faced Nolan Ryan. And he said, hey, man, I Nolan Ryan, this is not a knock on Nolan Ryan. He's, he's great. He's nasty. Like his resume speaks for itself. Yeah. But guys feared J.R. Richard a little more, you know, because I remember we're talking about a guy back in the late 70s, early 80s with a 90 mile an hour slider. Yeah. Uh, fastball touching, touching 100 and was also wild. Like he could strike yes. you out. He might hit you. He might throw up a wild pitch. Like, there's no telling what's happening. He was Randy Johnson before Randy Johnson was Randy Johnson. I mean, that's really kind of what what he – I mean, Johnson was a little bit taller and obviously a lefty. But that that was the thing. He was feared and intimidating. And um, the thing about him, too, I don't know if you ever saw him, but he was not – he wasn't just tall. He was a big dude. Like, this dude easily could have played football. I mean, he was big. I can and yeah. and he th- and that ball had a weird launch angle for guys, and so it was hard for them to see it. So can you imagine a ninety nine mile an hour fastball coming out of a six seven guy? You know, and like from that angle, it must be terrifying. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Well, but also, I mean, you mentioned the size. A multi sport athlete yes. who chose baseball mm-hmm. at that size. You know, you, you hear a lot of guys who or of average size mm-hmm. who can play a lot of different sports and maybe they choose baseball. But when you're six, seven and can play everything yep. and, ch- and choose baseball, you know, that, that I think is, you know, stands out to me and, and man, I'm, I'm glad he did. Cause the, the stories that you hear Amazing. about J.R. Richard are, you know, are, are pretty legendary. Yeah. So Astro um, Hall so, yeah, of Famer I, now too. 
just a just a and a and a really great story on the athletic. You should definitely go check it out. Uh, yep. I saw you posted this morning. I've, I've linked to it as well. Um, we should mention too, as we're getting into spring training, is it just me or am I totally jacked up about spring training just because of all the videos that people are posting? Like every day we've got videos of like Josh Hader throwing batting practice to Alex Bregman, Jordan like smacking bombs in the batting cage. Like where has this been all my life? <laughs> so, so I haven't, I haven't talked to any of our friends who are there yet, and, and, I, and I imagine you and I both know plenty of people. Who oh are yeah, there. but I, I am able to connect this to my experience at Astros spring training and like connect some dots here. Mm-hmm. And I feel like okay, and I'm gonna talk to some people about this to, to verify, but this is just my feeling. Yeah, I feel like they've expanded some access. I feel like that's true too. It's just it's feels, got it's got to be, and I and I some of that might be Joe Espada. Um, I, you know, he's certainly look. We're going in a very different direction in terms of just interviews with Espada than with Dusty Baker. I mean, Espada's pretty, you know, honest and frank. I, I found him in every interview. I've found him to be very candid. Um, you know, Blummer loves Espada. He he and I he talked about him on here before. He said he's like a really good dude. So I I feel like he's a guy that might open things up a little bit more. Maybe this is part of that. You know. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not sure. I, I definitely, I haven't met anybody who's not a fan of a spotter. Anybody mm-hmm. who knows a spotter who's not a fan of him. So, and then I would include myself in that mix. So, you know, I think I'm, ex- I mean, at least I'm excited for Joe yep. Spotter. I think it's a really good baseball team. And this is no disrespect to Joe Spotter or Dusty Baker. Yeah, or of course not. But it's hard to mess this thing up. <laughs> this is like, this right. is a good, this is a good team, man. It's a so freight like, train. But, <laughs> but but even within that context, I'm excited for him and the opportunity yeah. and to see what kind of job he's going to do. I know he's been waiting on this for a long time, so that's going to be really cool. But on the access point, like I can remember, Jeff, I can remember four years ago now being there. And so this is right before COVID. Uh, the spring train, it's the it's the sign stealing spring training. Oh, yeah. It's the COVID spring wow. right before COVID shuts everything down. Year. It's, that, it's the, the 2020 spring training. Wow. All right. That's the one I'm at. And I can remember finding my way into the batting cages with Jose Altuve, George Springer, Mm -hmm. Michael Brantley. I'm in there with these guys. But I don't realize it's my first time there spring training. I don't realize that I'm not supposed to be. There's not like a clear signage, yeah. at least from what I could see. And I'm being honest with you. Yeah. I didn't try to sneak oh, in no. there. I just, I didn't realize where I've had I was those, supposed to be. I've had those experiences before too. Uh, you're, yeah. you know, working as a, working as a writer reporter and you just end yeah. up in the wrong spot. I've been there. Yeah. But no one, but the key is here that no one stopped me. No yeah. one had stopped me from being there. And so I just kind of go there. You know, I see these guys over there. I'm like, all right, I'm hanging in. And I hung out in the batting cage with and then talked with Jose Altuve. Wow, cool. About you know about hitting for you know I don't know five minutes maybe not maybe not even that long before somebody realized that somebody was in there that wasn't supposed to be in there, and it was like you know honest mistake or whatever. But I say all that to say some of the there are certain things that you had access to and and maybe maybe this isn't the case. Maybe it's all the access mm-hmm. and it's just something about more videos. I don't know, but it feels like there's a, a chance that we're just seeing a little bit more because yeah. they're letting you see a little bit well, more. So I, I will that say, part of it is cool. Yeah, and for people who, who aren't, you know, who haven't gone to, you know, worked as a you know as a reporter or anything, a writer for this, 
you have to understand, like, there are places where you go where they're they're sensitive for sure. Then normally they'll just tell you. But it's a funny thing if you've never gone. I remember the first time I went to an Astros thing. Um, you don't really know. So their best bet is to find the like the senior guys and just follow them. Right. Yep. Just keep an eye on like in the Astros. See where Brian McTaggart and Chandler Rome are going and just kind of stick to their coattails. Right. Because it's the easiest way to not get yourself in trouble. I, I was actually shooting uh, the, when the Rockets had their 50th anniversary celebration and they all the guys came back. You know, Hakeem was there, Vernon Maxwell, like everybody was there. I was actually there to cover because they had a big halftime celebration and I was shooting it. So I I was out there with my camera. Well, before the game, right? Well, during the first quarter, I just walked down to the photographer area, right? Like not even thinking about it, not even in in a second thinking about it. And I actually, there's a picture hanging on my wall of James Harden dunking that I took at that thing. This is a really great photo. And I'm sitting down there, and all of a sudden, Jenny Zentner, who used to work for the for the Rockets, she's like, what are you doing? You can't be down here. I was like, I didn't know. Nobody said don't come down here. So it is it is something that happens. You know, you get yeah. you get in there, and you're like – but the thing is, and oftentimes it's totally innocent. You're not in there, like, trying to film secrets. You're just like, no. why am I suddenly standing in a locker room around naked guys and no one else is in here but me? <laughs> like, it feels yeah. just strange, you know? So, yeah, yeah. The, it's, it's, it is can be confusing. But that's – I think you're right. The access this year feels like – I mean, I don't know. We'll have to ask. I, I, you know, I've had Brian McTaggart on before. I'm going to try and get him on again. I'm going to have to ask him if he's seen this. Like, because I don't remember seeing guys throwing live BP. Right. I don't yeah. remember really seeing that in the past. And maybe it has and I just missed it. But it feels a little different uh, to me. You're yeah. right. That's a good point you make about that. Yeah. And, and we and we have I do feel like we've seen like I've seen live BP before, but I haven't yeah. seen as much of it translated to um, and maybe I wonder if it's this, Jeff. What if it just feels like the Astros or like pitching is a bigger story this year for a number yep. of reasons? I don't, I don't know. That that could be part of it yeah. too. Like we may be, we may be swayed because of how much we're thinking about. It's Astros true, pitching. and maybe there is more. I, I know, like certain, there are some radio stations and some places where they're emphasizing video a little bit more now too. That might be yep. a part of it. I mean, look, that's hundred percent. Look, seven ninety yeah. is doing a ton of video, but they're the Astros flagship, so maybe they're mm-hmm. getting access that others are not getting just because you know they are the flagship and so maybe there's some guys that are getting a little more access it's hard to know but it is interesting i love seeing it i love watching these guys because you know i mean when else do you get a chance to see like you know hunter brown versus you know uh chas mccormick or whatever it was you know i mean it's pretty fun uh to get a chance to see that so having said that let's talk a little bit about some guys to watch in spring training this year um, right, I'm actually writing about this today. Five guys that that I think are guys to watch. I'm gonna be curious to hear what your thoughts about this are too. Um, I'm just I'll start. My first guy out of the gate is Christian Javier, and the reason I have him on my list right out of the gate is first of all I've heard from people that he is apparently jacked. Like he has come into camp like shredded, right? And he and Hunter Brown apparently had a very very uh, very intense offseason, specifically working towards keeping them fresh for a full season. I mean, both of them pitched way more than they had ever pitched in their lives last year. Of course, Javier was in the WBC as well, which couldn't have helped him. 
and he certainly tailed off towards the end of the year, then kind of was on the injured list and then came back and pitched well again. But to me, I think his longevity is is really a huge key for them because honestly, I think Krishna Javier might have the best stuff on the team. Like he might the, be the most unhittable guy on the team. Yeah, so I know in prepping for this, I thought about you like Jeff's going to really limit me to five guys, <laughs> five guys to watch. Really, Jeff? Oh, believe me, there's going to be others in here for sure. Well, and, here's a, and, and here's the thing about it. Here's what I landed on, too, before I get to Javier. This is the thing I landed on. Like Jeff and I don't have all day to talk about no, this. No, right. Even though, we, even though we could talk about Oh, we could spend hours forever, dissecting forever. every single position, every player, for sure. This podcast could absolutely derail everything else about the rest of our day. <laughs> That's exactly okay, right. So I'm, I, 100%. I thought about that. So I'm like, dude, Jeff, I've got five <laughs> pitchers no. that I'm watching. Same. Like, uh, before we even get to the I'm, and starters, before right. we even get to the bullpen, before we get to the, to the position players, I'm, I got five pitchers that I'm thinking about. And how many on the list? Hundred um, percent. And I like, and I like that he's number one on your list because you make a similar point to something that we've talked about on the radio on Sports Radio Six Ten. It's like Christian Javier, Christian Javier, and Franco Valdez both have this thing where you want to see a bounce back of sorts. Mm-hmm. But Christian Javier is the one where, like, if he taps into it, like you've seen, you feel like you've seen close to peak. Fromber, or yeah, or at least what elite Fromber looks like. We've just seen the flashes and the doses of the Christian Javier, and we've yeah. never seen it like over a full, over what feels like a full sample size or a healthy sample yeah. size of Christian Javier being the Christian Javier that we expect him to be, or I guess as Astros fans probably wish for him to be. And so, because of that, are still unclear on. You know how good is this as a guy really? Because we know what he looks like at his best, but it doesn't right. just doesn't happen often enough or consistently enough. It happens in some key moments. Yeah, it sure does. I mean, Christian Christian Javier's got some legendary postseason sure moments does. for the Astros, and I and I want to give him his proper due and respect for that. You know, as we talk about him, but yeah, you do want to see him take a step. I always sort of make this joke about him whenever he's struggling. You know, and I, I would add if 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 Blummer were here, I'd ask him this too. Like, hey, is that is that invisible still invisible or what? Dude. Like, can they see it now or not? Like, what's going on with it? It's, you know, like I, I it's I, a fascinating I'm really question. To see. It's a fascinating you know, question. And I, I, yeah, I mean, because that's a superpower, right? From you everything know? I've been told, it's still very, very difficult for guys to get their eyes on it when he throws it. Just from the from the way that he throws the ball. So, yeah, I think, yeah, and I, I, it's to your point, you're right. I mean, I heard you and Sean talking about this yesterday when you're on with him. Sean and I both agreed, by the way, Sean's a good buddy of mine. We both agreed that they need to have a streaming camera, like on Astros.com, of like all the bullpen sessions and like all, they should just yeah. have it streaming so you can just go on there and watch it. Um, I'd spend, that's probably all I'd do all day. I'd, I wouldn't get any work done, but, um, you know, to your point about Javier, I think you're right. Look, he is younger. You know, we forget that Fromber's like, what, 28 now? Um, yeah. You know, and Javier's only 25, I guess. I think he just yeah. turned 25. And Fromber, Fromber, I think, is older than Carlos Correa. Which is crazy. Um, but, you know, a yeah. lot of these guys, the, the, the international signings came in like that. You know, look, Jose Urquidy is like 29, 
I want to say, or 30. He's closing down 30. Like some of those international signing guys, they were a little bit older to begin with, and so that kind of happens. Javier, I am fascinated to see if he can just – look, last year we saw Luis Garcia come out of the gate like hot, right, before he was injured. Christian Javier, I feel like he's a guy that could come out of the gate hot. But the key to me is can he sustain that excellence over the course of an entire season? And obviously the Astros are prioritizing health and longevity this year. Uh, they're going to they're gonna be some guys who are going to get you know, playing time and get taken out for games here and there and rested. They're obviously going to do that more than they did last year. Um so I just want to see if he can sustain it. That's the biggest thing for me. Well, uh, so and I know we're going to talk about more guys, but I will say this, yeah. that a, cons- a constant theme for me with, uh, with a lot of the pitchers, the starters specifically, mm-hmm. but you can, e- you can even throw the relievers into this, into this point. But on Javier, and we mentioned Joe Spider earlier yep. in, the, you know, in the show, like to me the fascinating overarching theme about the pitching is how these guys are managed. Yep. You know, how, how are these guys managed? Javier specifically, I think that's been a challenge for the Astros for as long as they've had him is how how to exactly manage him, what exactly to do with him. Right. Um, we know what his role is now. So that, that part of it is, isn't as complicated. But I still feel like, you know, he runs into – it feels like he runs into a wall at some point mm-hmm. or there, I don't know, you know, and you talked about him being Jack, maybe he's in better shape. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but how he's managed does seem to be like a really big key. Yeah. And that's going to be the case for any other name that you throw out there from yep. the rotation through really and how they, you know, sort things Agreed. out with the bullpen, which I, which I think we kind of have a good sense for what that's going to look Agreed. like, but how, how it's managed and shout out to Joe Espada getting, you know, and, and, and Josh, how talented the team is, but how it's managed is going to yeah. be huge. Jeff. And Josh Miller and, you know, the, the yeah. other pitching coaches in particular who are so, so good at getting yeah. these guys ready. Yeah. You're right. Managing them is going to be a big deal. All right. Who you got? I went with Javier. Who you got? Yeah, so for me, I, I'm gonna go with with Fromber, and for and for reasons that I think you're gonna appreciate. I, I think he looks like he's in better shape. Mm-hmm. To your point about Christian uh, Christian Javier, went back to the old school but, hair, but also <laughs> he went back to the old school hair. Oh, you're bringing and it I, up. That's awesome. Oh, dude, dude, I love Fromber. Okay? Yeah, me too. Who doesn't L- love the guy? For I, I think for all of his positives, and I, I appreciate it, pretty much everything about the guy. Okay? How can you not love a guy who makes his own T-shirts and then brings them to the clubhouse and gives them out to everybody? I mean, how can you yeah. not love a dude like that? It's just amazing. Yeah, and some of the work that he does in his hometown. Yes. Like he, he, he seems like a fun dude, yes. a good dude. I, like I just I have no more notes on on Fromber as <laughs> as far as liking him and yeah. the positives. The one thing that he's ever done that's bothered me, which I have no governor on. It's he's a you know grown man free to do what mm-hmm. he wants, but it was that doggone weave ponytail that all these guys, him and Martin Maldonado, as as a man who grew out his dreadlocks and <laughs> right. and, and grind and and put out the. The grind have dedicated a lot of time, a lot of years, and a lot of energy to growing out dreadlocks. The fact that they just attach some on the back of their afros, 
did not make me feel good at all. Look, I didn't appreciate Brandon, that at all. Brandon, you, you don't understand how well I understand this because when I was a young fellow a number of years ago, I had hair all the way down to my waist. It took me years, years yeah. and years and years of growing. Um, and I, I'll have to show you a picture sometime. I look, I'll, I'll probably pop one up on the video so people can see it. I, I looked like the guy, like the guy from Metallica. I was like, you know, that was the deal. So yes, a hundred percent. Don't cheat that. Don't yeah. cheat that. Do the work, do the yeah, work, man. There, there is a work ethic that is, a t that is tied to growing your hair, especially, especially in dreadlocks. Like you're, I mean, that is especially with dreadlocks. so difficult, you know? Yeah. 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 So I, 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 that, that was one part for me. I'm just like, yo, I, but now that he's back and another thing, you know, that you got to keep in mind is like, man, dreadlocks are heavy. Oh, you know, I'm, yeah. I, I'm able to, I'm able to pull it off and I just cut mine a little bit, you know, to, to make it less heavy, but I'm able to pull it off because I, you know, I don't pitch from a mound. <laughs> I, I don't play sports for a living. Right. You know, um, if I, if I did, maybe I'd look at it a little bit differently. But I, I, I like his chances. I like his chances of, of between slimming down and looking like he's in better shape and having a little less, um, let's say, uh, uh, not authentic. I was going to say inauthentic, non-authentic <laughs> yeah, uh, right. hair right. on the back of his head. Right. Um, I think it's going to benefit him yeah. well. But but also like on a serious note. The bounce back. Yeah, right? you I know, agree the, with you. The year, the year before, we're talking about the consecutive quality starts. Right. And we felt like he had really elevated um, into sort of this yeah. upper echelon. And now we're reaching a point to where we're going to be talking about paying a lot of these guys. That's another oh. overarching theme yes. of watching guys. The, the, Especially the, next who, year, but this year too. pay guys? Yeah. Right. But but the, the, the more you start thinking about the bigger picture, you're like, okay, there's a list of guys that are going to be up eventually. Yep. And you, and you know that you're going to have to make a decision at some point, that they're yeah. going to have to make a decision at some point. How does this year impact all of that? Oh, yeah. You know, I think this so, year will so definitely – a lot there. Yeah, I think this year will definitely impact Fromber in that way because I think the Astros will make a decision about – look, Fromber's a guy who's not going to – most pitchers, they're not going to get, you know, what hitters get. They're not getting 10 years, you know, that kind of thing. So he's a guy that's going to get a four- or five-year deal at the end of this – and so he is a guy that the Astros have the opportunity to re-sign if they so choose to do that. And this year will go a long way towards, I think, both helping the Astros decide what they're going to do and, and figuring out how much he's going to get paid. Um, Fromber is the thing that I love about Fromber Valdez as a pitcher is that he's the steadying influence in the bullpen. He's a he's not a guy that's going to blow you away with heat. Um, he's a change of pace from some of the other guys in this lineup. He's a lefty, which automatically makes him uh, unique. Um, but I think that the main thing is he, especially you saw with those quality starts as twenty four or whatever number of quality starts he had in a row. He was a guy that was the steady. You knew that every fifth day he was going to come in and he was going to give you a quality start. He was going to give you quality pitches. He was not going to give up a boatload of runs. Um, he was going to keep the ball on the ground. Um, and I think that that is the thing I want to see him get back to is that he doesn't have to be spectacular. He doesn't have to have an ERA under, you know, under two. He just needs to be a guy who comes in and gives them innings and and steadies that ship. You know, because some of these guys, you don't know what you're going to get when they come in there. They could get blown up and, you know, in two innings. 
Fromber's not one of those guys. You expect him to come in and just rock solid, roll through it. And uh, that's what I hope to see go back. Because, man, after his uh, after his no-hitter last year, like, it went off the yeah. cliff, man. And, yeah. uh, you know, hopefully that he learned something from that. Because he is, unlike Christian Javier, he isn't plays with his emotions on his sleeve. Um, and maybe that affected him a little bit. Who knows? But hopefully he can get back to where he was a couple of seasons ago when he was just so good as the rock steady, you know, second guy in that lineup. Maybe, maybe yeah. first. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's huge. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if he can get back to that or, or you know, maintain that, yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking about an Astros team that should have, and Justin Verlander is, a, mm-hmm. is probably his own kind of category but having him back yep. um and depending on what he is but if he's some sort of stabilizing force <clears throat> yeah and you've got two of those oh, at yeah. the top and you're just talking about then you're looking at going back to our Javier conversation yeah. you know you're looking at some of the other guys some of the younger oh, guys they have a potential to have a one two three that's as good as any one two three in baseball um oh, the depth the death by the end of it could be incredible it could like and that's that's like, think case. about yeah, when I think about this, Jeff, I, I felt like one of the lessons of the World Series, you know, obviously after the Astros, unfortunately, were out of it, mm-hmm. like the actual World Series itself and the, and the lesson from the Rangers was, you know, we're talking about a team that won the World Series that did not have a good bullpen. No. You know, they did not have a good no. bullpen at all. Still don't. But what they, they still don't. But what they did have, and I think what allowed them to be successful, was this incredible amount of depth yes. of starters. Yep. You know, and so they were able to slug their way through the – through the regular season and win 90 games, yep. you know, uh, short of the division, but they were able to get in. And then when it came cutting time in the postseason, they had enough starters to make up for the fact yeah. that. And then I think I think their bullpen was a little bit better. Yeah, it was. For, for, what it, for what it was worth. But bringing it back to the Astros, that depth of starters by the long run, you know, in yeah. the long haul, I think could be – you know, a, a, a huge like feather in the cap. I agree for the for the Astros. I man. agree, and I think there's going to be, and I'll have there's another guy on my list. I'll mention in this uh, coming up, but um, you see all the guys that pitched last year. That's not going to do anything but be good for them. Um, yeah. You know, the fact that JP France emerged as a legitimate guy who you can put in your starting rotation at the four or five spot. That's nothing but good for the Astros. All right, my second guy is Jake Myers. And I know everybody's watching Jake Myers. He's a um, here's the thing about Jake Myers with me. I'm going to be real frank. So I, I think Jake Myers might he could be one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball, like Miles Straw. But I'm going to compare him to Miles Straw because Miles Straw was here as an Astro, uh, and you know he we got by the way for Miles Straw we got Yiner Diaz and Phil Maton. Just FYI. Yeah. But like right now, Miles Straw is fighting for his job in Cleveland. Why? Because he can't hit. He can't hit the ball. He's probably the best defense. He's at least in the top five defensive center fielders in all of baseball, but he cannot hit the ball. And it sounds very familiar to me to another guy that, that on the Astros, Jake Myers. Now, I believe that their starting outfield of Tucker, uh, McCormick, and left. And um, Jake Myers in center, I think that's her best defensive lineup in the outfield. I think they um, my, look McCormick and left is going to be a stud. I mean, that guy he's already good in center field, but he, in left field he could be spectacular, especially at Minute Maid Park. Um, 
but their best offensive lineup in the outfield is not close. I mean, it's Jordan and left with uh, Chas McCormick in center and Tucker and right. That's their best offensive lineup in the outfield, especially now with Michael Brantley gone. So to me, I worry about a guy who's very good defensively in this in center field, but has to hit ninth, you know, in the lineup. Um, not that I need Jake Myers to be like, you know, Jordan part two, not that I need Jake Myers to crush like 20 home runs and, you know, hit 300, but I feel like Jake Myers has got to be respectable at the plate. He's got to be. And that's my big issue. So can I have you possibly look at it a different way? Okay, sure. Shoot. And and you tell me if this is crazy. It's probably an oversimplification, Mm -hmm. but this is, this is also a way for me to kind of be positive about it because I, I mean, I agree with your overall point and sentiment, but could Jake Myers, if he's going to be the hole in your lineup, could he just be better than Martin Maldonado? Well, that's because, a really because, that's a strong point. And if yeah. and defensive wins above replacement do matter, right? Yeah. Your defensive yeah. war matters too. Jeremy Pena yeah. was not as good offensively last year, but his defensive uh, abilities in the in the infield. So yeah, that's a good point, man. That's Brandon. That's yeah. a very yeah. good point. So so I, I, man, obviously they play different positions, and so you're you yeah. know the the. The math there is okay, and funny enough, I think this is kind of a I don't know if a cliffhanger or a tease to my next guy yeah, to watch. Yeah. But but what's the difference that you're getting from whatever the positional value was of Martin Maldonado, which, if we're honest, took a downslide last season. Yeah. You know, so what's the what's the math going to be, and what you're missing from him defensively yeah. versus what you're going to actually get from his replacement, right? And then in the actual lineup, because I mean he's going to be much higher in the yeah. order than Maldonado was, and then in the actual lineup, Jake Myers could very well hit ninth, right? Or, or Jeremy Pena, I don't know, probably Jake Myers. So well, you're like, you're, okay, can, you're, can that can can that guy be better than yeah. What was honestly the the worst? You're pulling a money baseball. ball right now. You're basically let's replace let's fix it in the aggregate. Right. Yes. Let's, let's fix it go. in the aggregate, and and that's, that's what I was trying. That's to say. a good point. Like it's it's a yeah. good point, especially if he gives you great defense in center field. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to be watching just for me in the in the in this spring training for me watching him. I just want to see what he can do at the like. Honestly, I think Jake Myers has like. There's been a lot. He can hit the ball. He's got some power, but I would love to see him hit to opposite fields. Like I'd love to see yeah. him do what Chaz McCormick does right now, which is take the pitches that he's given, let the ball travel, hit to the other hit to other parts of the ballpark. Don't try to pull it every single time. I think that would and look if he could become our, if he could become Mauricio Dubon, right in hitting. That's the guy I would take. That's the guy I would take as my example of what to do. Well, let me ask you this, and just as a devil's advocate to even the idea that Jake Myers is their best defensive option in center mm-hmm. field, which I, I'm not saying I disagree with, but just as a, a thought exercise here, are we not at all worried about his arm anymore? Well, it improved significantly last year. That's the thing. By the, by the middle to the end of last year, the strength that he had lost in his shoulder appeared to have come back. Now, is he ever going to have a cannon? No. He's not going to be... 
uh, Jordan Alvarez, who has a who throws the ball at 101 or whatever from the outfield, or even Kyle yeah. Tucker, who's Tucker, got Tucker too. Yeah. He's got incredible and not Tucker's skill is not just his strength, but his accuracy is ridiculous from the outfield. I mean, the, the, he can get guys out at second base like it's remarkable. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it, there is that question mark, and I think a lot of that's going to shake out in spring training. Now, I am very excited to get to your next one because I'm assuming you're talking about Yanner Diaz here, who is I not am. on my list, but I'm so glad you brought him up because I, I might not be more excited for any Astro this coming season than Yanner Diaz. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I'm, I don't know. I'm excited for all of it. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it like that. Maybe, maybe I'm right there with you. But I am very excited about it. And I think it really ties into some of our earlier picks on this list, the pitchers that we talked about, you know, um, some of the ones that we've talked about and some of the ones that we haven't yet. How Yiner D, I mean, I mentioned how these guys are managed, how Christian Javier is managed, how Framber Valdez in some ways is managed. I think in a different way, I'm talking about Framber, just in terms of the – you know, the emotions, the moments, yes. um, reeling them back in. I think there was a quality to Martin Maldonado yes. that is not, uh, I think it's an understatement for me to say it like this, but I will, I don't think it's easily replicated. I No, you know? I agree with you, and the pitchers would agree with you. I mean, I think, I think yeah. the pitchers loved throwing to Martin Maldonado. I think they loved the game that he called. So, yeah, no, you're not wrong. Yeah. Now, I don't know how I'm going to get a great sense for that from spring training. Yeah, I don't know. But it is something that I'm thinking about yeah. at, as they report, as I'm watching them. I'm like, oh, how's this, how's this going to work out? Because I'm right there with you, Jeff, in terms of the excitement. Like, you know, that was my, you know, I remember last year when Dusty was getting all the criticism. I was saying, hey, man, my primary Dusty criticism is the is the. Yeah the the Yiner Diaz yep. thing. A lot of the other stuff to me felt nitpicky and piled on. But I was right there with everyone on the on, I was like, man, this guy I mean we we've we've got to do this stuff. Well the we've Astros look, when was the last time the Astros had a catcher that could do that at the plate? I mean it was it's been a long time. I mean it's been a long time. We might have to go back to like we might have to go to like post skill set Pudge Rodriguez when he came here for a very short period of time oh, yeah. at the end of his yeah. career. Like the Astros, like Tony Eusebio was a good hitter, but he was an inconsistent yeah. hitter. Um, yeah. Also, he was, I, you know, he sat in his chair. He was 137 years old. But, um, you know, yeah. but I mean, they're like, there are really, when you go back, you know, was Alan Ashby didn't hit like this? I mean, we can go back a long yeah. ways and say, you know, maybe Biggio. Right when he was yeah. catching before he went to second base, so this, that was going to be my name. That was yeah. the first. This is the first time we've really had a guy at catcher where you can say, "Man, this is this is not the guy you stick ninth in your lineup." And um, yeah. and the fact, the thing that has impressed me about Yiner from the beginning is his plate awareness. Like he's not a guy that chases very much, right? Um, he's going to get you strikeouts because he's because he's in his you know basically his rookie season. He's going to have some, but overall, he's not a guy that just goes up there and flails away at pitches. He hits to all different parts of the park. He'll drive the ball for doubles as well as for home runs. I'm just, I think it's going to be fun watching him at the plate this year. I really do. And and if they do worry about the managing games, look, Victor Caratini was brought in here for a reason. 
You know, he's a veteran who's had, a, a, you know, he's also a switch hitter, by the way, which who switch hits anymore. Um, right. you know? um, but uh, he's a guy that I think can provide some of that stability and certainly hopefully can stay in Yiner's ear a little bit when it comes to managing, you know, pitchers and their expectations. Yeah, the Astros offense ended up being by the end of the season a lot better than I thought it was. Yeah, me too. And 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 I think it progressed over time. Yeah. But imagine taking that which is mostly the same and then inserting you know a more consistent and a more experienced yeah. um Yiner Diaz. Well, imagine so, like from I'm, I'm excited. About imagine that, Yiner in your lineup and Chaz McCormick in your lineup every day. I mean, Chaz was in and out of the lineup, and he was one of only three guys that had an 800, 800 OPS or better. I mean, yeah. you, you you automatically you're going to improve just I think from those guys. So that's I, yeah, I'm super excited about Yiner. My number three is a is a is one that I think is. My friend, my good friend Katya, who is a huge baseball fan, has been forever. She will tell you that she no one should ever trust this guy, but my guy is Forrest Whitley. So I am absolutely fascinated to watch Forrest Whitley. And here's the main reason why. Look, we look at Forrest Whitley, and I've talked about this before. It seems like he's been in, a, in, in the Astros system for like 100 years. But it, Forrest Whitley is only 26 years old, right? Um, and the thing about him is, is that he has now accepted the fact that he's he's probably not going to be a starter in his career, but he has the stuff to be a reliever. And if he comes in and can stay healthy, and that's always the big if with him, uh, that one-year suspension for weed notwithstanding, um, <laughs> if he is healthy, he is potentially your bridge guy at the bullpen. He is potentially your sixth, fifth, and sixth inning guy who can come in and bridge you to what are probably is going to be the three best, uh, the you know, final relievers in, in baseball this year in the bullpen. And so to me, I want to see that happen. Now, this is probably wishful thinking on my part because God knows we've been all been waiting for Forrest Whitley since the dawn of time. But, man, if Forrest Whitley can come in here – We've also got, I mean, we've got some other guys out there. Brian Bielek, maybe Rafael Montero, if he can spring back. But honestly, when you look at it, Forrest Whitley has a real chance to be like a guy in the bullpen, not just not just some random dude throwing in, but someone who can legitimately come in and be good for them. I mean, if Forrest Whitley works out, you could have four guys at the back end of your bullpen rotation who could legitimately yeah. come in and be solid. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I'm probably putting too much on his shoulders. It's probably not fair, but th- this might be his last shot at the majors. If we're being honest, I, even at 26. No, nah, I actually love that he's even on your list because I've done the thing. I think it was maybe it's been years now that I've kind of just put Forrest Whitley to the side yeah. and said out of sight, out of mind until he shows up. Right. I'm not going to really give him much thought. But I like that you have and that you have them on the list because I do also like to play the what if game. Yes. Just just again, as a thought exercise, as a conversation piece, not even as, hey, I'm putting any kind of hope or like you said, putting too much on them. I ain't putting nothing on them. <laughs> you at can't. This point, Jeff. You can't. I, can't. I want not to. Believe me, I want to. Them. But you can't. I'd love to. Yeah. I'd love to. But I don't feel like you can, not fairly. And. It's just a fun what if. I know. Because everything that you just laid out 
in a what if scenario, if that were to happen, dude, we're on to something because you mentioned uh, Montero and Belak. Like he's better than those guys. Oh yeah. If he, if he's right, if he's like yeah. better, he's he's better than those his, guys. His stuff. His stuff is arguably some of the best in the bullpen rotation outside of Hader and Presley. And, you know, I mean, he's he could easily be one of the better uh, just stuff pitchers if he can get his stuff, if he can get healthy and keep it together. Because the deal is when he's pitched, like last year he was pitching at Sugarland, he had some wipeout stuff at times. But he's got to pull it all together and do it at the big league level and do it and be healthy. Yeah, and and I'm not gonna say that it's the last year because who knows? Yeah, I mean, I mean he's still knows, 26. But it does feel like every year that we do this with Forrest Whitley, it feels like I mean I think it's just obvious the the clock is ticking. Yes, you know how how many times are we going to do the what ifs? Because I feel like we've done it before, you know. So oh, you know, look, what, uh, we have a we have a guy on the roster this year who we did it with for years in John Singleton. Who yeah, said? Who suddenly he was like back with the team and might actually end up on the roster, the twenty-six man yeah. roster. Yeah, I mean, it's it. We're not. We are not immune to the vagaries of of desperation when it comes to players who've been in the minors for a long time. All of us yeah. want to see those guys, especially with an Astros minor league system that is not that's like ranked 29th, I think, out of thirty teams. You want to yeah. see somebody other than the guys who were expecting to come up and maybe Whitley's that guy this year. I hope he is. Yeah. Fingers yeah, crossed. Dusty Baker, Dusty Baker used to talk about, you know, spring training wanting to see some surprises. Like, yeah. kind of to your point, you know what to expect from certain guys, but yeah. who's going to surprise you? And of course, Whitley could be that guy. I mean, it, this does this does feel like a if not now then when kind of year for yeah. him. But oh, if it could be that, man. 100%. Dude. All right, who, yeah. who you got next? Yeah, man. So next for me is going to be Justin Berlander. And that's just because of the headline, man. Um, I, I think I think out of everybody that we could list, he's probably the most reliable because he's Justin Berlander. Yeah. But he's also, you know, 40 plus now. Yep. And, and so I don't know what to do with <laughs> like I, that's a great I feel a little that helpless. is a great way of putting it like i don't know what to do with justin burlander because you can't I, like, doubt him you can never doubt yeah. him because he's a guy that will he, the minute you doubt him he comes in and just blows everyone out of the water he's the yeah. closest thing we have to a nolan ryan in this era for sure right. in terms of his longevity and his ability to pitch innings but you're right you don't know what to, can you pencil him in and say yeah we've got 160 innings out of uh, you know, out of him this year, or is it like uh, it's it's a good point, man? Well, because here's how I'm thinking about it: is there is there any drop off? Because there's drop off from Cy Young Verlander, who left the Astros, mm-hmm. to stabilizing quality starter Verlander, who played for who pitched for the Mets and the Astros mm-hmm. last year. Yep. Those guys were not exactly the same. No. If you could get last year's guy, if you if you told me punch a ticket now and I give you last year's guy over any kind of you know I'll take I'll take last year's guy. But what's the attrition? What's the is is there a level of drop off? And is that is that still you know plus level quality starter? Yeah. I think it is. Even if you get that, 
But to what degree is there a drop off? If there's any, I'm not saying yeah. that there's going to be one. But what does it look like? I mean, the first Agreed. thing you hear from the guy is a little sore. <laughs> yeah, right. And so you're of like, course, yeah, I, feel, you know, but he I says, figure so. He's, you're 40. He says that, right? He sa- it's amazing. He says that. Then he immediately comes in, throws a bullpen session. The next day feels completely fine. Then he's about to throw another bullpen session. The spot is like, yeah, he feels good. It's like, you know, listen, he's 40. Once you hit 40, as I can sadly attest, you don't your body doesn't respond as well as it used to there isn't that the immediate bounce back for whether you're athletes whether you're married to kate upton it doesn't really matter there's you know it's there the body has aches and pains that it doesn't get over as easily but he's still justin verlander like it's like how do you it's i i feel like right now in the this point in his career he had like i don't view him as an ace number one any longer i view him as a solid number two or a very very good number three kind of guy in your Mm -hmm. rotation but it wouldn't shock me if he comes out and you know suddenly for a while is throwing sub two era and striking everybody out it's just who knows it's a really good point on your part brandon to say what you don't know what you're gonna get from him well so like i I think you know how the kids overuse the term built different. So and so's built different. Yep. This person's built different. Yep. I'm built different. Yeah, right. You hear that a lot these days. I do think Justin Verlander is got to be along those lines yeah. because he wins another Cy Young late in his career after yeah. Tommy John surgery. He's a throwback. Like to be, yeah, well, and to be a rarefied air in what he did in that particular, you know, in that particular way, I think deserves some recognition. Yeah. But then on the back end, I do think you have to fairly ask the question. What is the toll of coming back from Tommy John surgery, late in your 30s, and then pitching a Cy Young caliber season the next year mm-hmm. and and, a, and a, a borderline really good, I would say really good, not, not necessarily great season right. the year after Very that. Very solid. You know what I mean? And then now you're 41. Yep. So like, so the the pile up there, the the combination there. Now, what is the residual effect of that? Now, I think is a fair thing to wonder Absolutely. about, and I do wonder about. Even if I acknowledge that Justin Verlander is not like, you know, is is unlike most. He is, he is unlike. Yeah, he's un, certainly unlike any Astros pitcher we've had in recent memory. And you go yeah. back and see some older guys. So speaking of pitchers. The number four guy on my list is Spencer Arigetti. And so oh. this one is, to me, look, I've been kind of on the Spencer Arigetti bandwagon a bit for a while since late last year. Um, split his time between double and triple A last year. Came up, has kind of done everything you need to do uh, to demonstrate it. Um in fact, I just saw this morning that he threw his first bullpen session and literally the entire Astros brass was out to watch him, uh, which tells you something about what they, how they value him and where they think he is. He was left out of the deal last year that brought Verlander. I mean, he was, there was, he was on the list of one of the guys that could potentially be traded in that Verlander deal. He was left off along with Jacob Melton, um, who are two of their better prospects. Melton, number one, I think Arigetti's four. Um, Here's my thing about Ergetti. I don't think he's going to make the big league ball club, not because he can't pitch at this level, but because I think it's going to, they aren't going to want to put him in the bullpen. And unless he comes out just being lights out in spring training, I'm not sure they're going to have a spot for him in the rotation. And, uh, and I don't think they want to 
you know, tone him down into a bullpen pitcher because I think ultimately he is a starter and he's stretched out to be a starter. Um, and I just don't think they're going to suddenly say, hey, let's throw him in the bullpen and let him work his way up there. Some guys you can do that with. There's some guys that have that flexibility. Look, Brian Abreu used to be a starter um, and now he's a, you know, a great bull, a, a great arm in the bullpen. But I think when you're looking at a guy like this, he is a guy who you're going to want to start. Now, having said all that, because they have such a log jam at the starting rotation, you know, especially when they get Luis Garcia and Lance McCullers back, if if Lance McCullers ever comes back again, and speaking of a guy you can't count on, um, the uh, I, I, I do think he is going to be part of that rotation going forward. And I do think there's a chance he gets called up if there's injuries. Look, they're going to start the season probably with a six-man rotation because they've got a boatload of games in their first two months of the year. Uh, and Verlander, as much as he always complained about, I want to pitch on five days rest order, it's like, sit down. You can pitch on – you can skip a start if we need to with Verlander if it keeps you healthy for the postseason. But, look, Eric Getty, look, the guy has legit stuff. His demeanor is unique. He's super calm. Like, nothing phases him. He's very Christian Javier in that way. Um, and he, it's almost his time. May not quite be his time. But it's close, and uh, I'm excited to watch him. I, I hope somebody uh, took some video of his bullpen sessions, of his, uh, uh, of his, excuse me, his uh, uh, throwing this morning, his bullpen session. Yeah, uh, I'd love to see a little bit of it because I, I think he's an exciting young pitcher, one of the few really exciting prospects in the Astros farm system. Yeah, that was the point I was going to make. One of the few guys that you can be like legitimately excited about yep. in the farm system. I love that you mentioned him. And I don't want to do this, Jeff, to like pit guys against each other, even though we do know like the reality in sports, there is competition yes. within. Like you're not just competing against the opponent, but in a lot of times, especially in spring training, you're competing against each other. Yep. But when I look at the long view of it, I'm like, man, what, what, if, you know, when I talk about what is with Forrest Whitley, who we think is, you know, if he does have a career in the big leagues now, is a reliever. Mm-hmm. But Eric Getty, like, what if he's as good? What if, like, he lives up to the hype? And how that could impact your future decisions oh. and what your rotation could look 100%. like further down the line. You know, look, if Eric Getty not- is, if Eric Getty suddenly becomes your guy, your kitty can become a bullpen guy. He has been yeah. in the bullpen in the past and yeah. he's pitched well yeah. coming out of the bullpen. Suddenly you increase your, your arms there. There's a lot yeah. that can happen with Eric Getty and also JP France for that matter that can yeah. really impact how the Astros, not just rotation works, but how their bullpen works. Yeah. Well, and especially in the postseason, oh, I'm looking at it. Yeah. You know, like the point I mentioned earlier about the Rangers, this surplus of starter quality yes. arms on top of the fact that you if you if you include, let's just for the dreaming of it, include Forrest Whitley in this yep. mix. If you've got this quality of guys in your bullpen, like your actual relievers go something like, you know, your throwaways or, you know, Montero and whatever else you got, but your actual high leverage guys or some combination of, you know, Whitley, Abreu, Presley, and Josh Hader, who's been the best reliever in baseball yep. for as long as the Astros have been on this run. You know, a lot of people don't pay attention to this, Jeff, because it's been happening in the National League. I think, you know, maybe most of the people listen to this podcast. Yeah. But I, I remember in the in spring training, no disrespect to Ryan Presley, 
But when they were like, oh, they're revealing that Josh Hader is the closer or like it yeah, was a headline. It's not a shock. It shouldn't be any shock to anybody, and, including Presley. And I, Yeah, I'm like, the only way this is surprising to anyone is if for whatever reason you just never heard of Josh Hader, just like didn't know who he is. But that's a good thing, though. Yes. Like, like you've got this guy, but then you've got Presley, who was already an elite setup man, showed you he was good enough to be a high-level uh, closer, yeah. can go back to being the elite setup man that he already was, and that, that betters the team. Unreal. Presley got, Presley got paid. Uh, you know, yeah. as a cl- I oh, think as a closer, Abreu so, probably could be the closer. Like, I mean, you've got yeah. legitimately three guys that could be the closer in your at the back end I, of your I rotation. F- I feel like everyone's winning here. I know, agreed. You know? I feel like everybody's eating here. All right, who you got next? Yeah, so next for me, you took Jake Myers. Uh, it's okay, but, but next for me is got to be Kyle Tucker. Boy, and, that's a good one, Bryn. And it's and it's really, it's only because uh, you know it was two reasons. Things kind of flamed out a little bit there at the end, and I feel like there's some recency bias on what yes. Kyle Tucker is. Agreed. You know, like it didn't look good there at the end in the postseason run, but he's still one of the better players in baseball. Uh, anytime I know that we mention something about Kyle Tucker on our social media or write a story, anything that we do, <clears throat> the feedback will get is like he's overrated he's not worth the money yes um, and, and it's like guys the perception of um, him is fascinating there's no doubt about how, it how quickly we forget how quickly we forget i mean we're talking about one of the top two or three right fielders in baseball yes um the only others that would even be in the conversation would be you know mookie betts and Aaron Judge. And then I guess uh, you could throw, um, if you wanted to consider one. So, but he's like, he's right around oh, yeah. that that uh, echelon. And people forget this because he had a, you know, a crappy postseason or yep. unlucky run there. Even when he's bad, man, he's hitting the ball hard. People get impatient with that being explained yeah. to you. Like, I don't care if he hits the ball hard, he hits it right to somebody. But man, he's just got the traits. He's he got the qualities. He's got the the demeanor. Even though he's uh, really hard on himself mm-hmm. and internalizes a lot, he still seems to kind of have the demeanor that you that you like. I I found it interesting the 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 note about him wearing batting gloves this year. Um, I can't wait the to great, actually see him. The great glove versus no glove debate that has yeah. raged now for. Years oh, yeah. I, with Kyle Tucker. I want to. I definitely want to chat with him about that at some point. <laughs> it's um, it's a to me. You know, you really you really nailed it with this. The 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 weird expectations with Kyle Tucker. Um, he is enigmatic, right? What for fans? He is. He's hard to pin down, and and part of it is his personality. He's a quiet, you know, dude. He's not a not a demonstrative guy. Um, part of it is his. Uh, his play is so spread out over a lot of things, right? There's not like you look at Jordan, you go, well, Jordan hits home runs, right? You look at certain guys, Justin Verlander throws strikeouts. Like you've got, there are certain things you can look at guys and you can sort of pin them down on certain things. Kyle Tucker just does everything well. And so it's hard when he has a little bit of a slump at the plate or, uh, you know, He's had he had a couple of defensive gaffes last year that were out of character for him. I think the whole team defensively was down. He's a guy that I think for fans they just don't know how to, what to do with him. 
right? And so a lot of people feel like, well, he hasn't fulfilled that purpose of being, you know, like to be that elite level, but he is elite. It's just that I think people don't see it because there isn't, and part of it might be for, you know, uh, in defense of fans who have issues, Cal Tucker has some issues with consistency at times. He just does at the plate. You know, he he's an up and down kind of hitter. But my goodness, the guy is so good in so many ways that you're right. Recency bias, which I love that term. Uh, it's it's so true in so many things. But I think really because of the postseason that Tucker had. And I think we just haven't – there haven't been any, like, singular, like, Kyle Tucker moments, right, that we look at and we go, that's when Kyle Tucker became an Astro. You know, he doesn't he, – the, the, there's no home run off of Roldis Chapman. There's no, uh, you know, turning the game upside down. You know, there's no no hitter or whatever it is. There isn't that sort of signature, like – we can look at Kyle Tucker and go, that's the moment he became a legend to Astros fans. And yeah. and I think with that, that's so it's going to be, yeah, I think this year is a big year for him. Look, he's next year is his final year before free agency. There's still the question of if the Astros are going to extend him. Everything I hear is the dude wants like a lot of years and the Astros don't typically give a lot of years. So I, that's a good call, man, on, uh, on watching Kyle Tucker. He's got to get, I think he needs to get out of the gate fast. Yeah, yeah. T- to me, the more disappointing part, like y- you talked about the inconsist- inconsistency, baseball's heart that's there. He has that. Mm-hmm. I think he does some things consistently that makes you feel good about him, even when he's not hitting well yeah. at the plate. Uh, but but also the, the disappointing part, more so, and you touched on this, the defense. Yeah. That's the thing that took a step back Weird. that was hard for me to understand or explain. I, I, I honestly don't understand it and can't explain yeah, it. Yeah, just made weird because atta- he made weird jumps on balls at times and yeah. like just didn't, seem, just didn't seem to see the ball yeah. as well last year for some reason. Very strange. So part of the thing that I'm interested in past spring training, just in following Kyle Tucker this year, is will he get back to elite level defensive? Mm-hmm. Uh, right fielder Kyle Tucker that he had been in previous years and I do expect him to still continue to be one of the better hitting outfielders in baseball Um, that's because that's what he actually is yeah he had a bad postseason Um, we've seen Altuve have a bad postseason Um, Jordan's first postseason was atrocious or at least that I mean I don't know if it was the entire postseason or if I'm just thinking about the World Series yeah. 2019 but 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 he had a stretch there where it was like oh what happened to Jordan yeah you know like everybody goes through this correct I think you made an interesting point that I hadn't thought about with Kyle is that he had he doesn't have that signature hit or really I, I think his there's a lot of things yeah. you don't see you don't think back and go what is that like I can look at almost every Astro and go what is that one moment where what was the one Chaz McCormick moment it's the immaculate catch, right? Where he's the has the there's the there's the the thing on the the snow angel in the dirt where he caught that ball. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you can look at almost every yeah. Astro and say, "Here's that moment." Tucker, Trey Mancini, Trey Mancini has one. Trey Mancini has one. <laughs> John Singleton had a two home run game last year. I mean, yeah. there are signature moments for everybody. Kyle Tucker, he had that one uh, home run catch takeaway that he had last year. But you just, I, I just, you don't see that. I, and I think that's something that's, like I said, enigmatic. I think it's something that's just hard for Astros fans to grab onto because he's just so consistently good at so many things. 
but there isn't that one thing you're just like, oh, that's like the you know the moment. Hopefully, he has it this year. I mean, yeah. God knows, God knows he's due. Yeah, he's the one guy who I think is gonna even has any justification for commanding one of those ridiculous contracts yeah. that are a lot of years that I that I actually side with the Astros and being mostly philosophically opposed to giving out because yep. I get it. But he does intrigue me in that way. Well, sure. Well, he's the guy that if you're going to do it, it's him because he's so young. Like, you know, you, yeah. you give a, a nine-year deal to a 25-year-old. It's a lot different than giving it to a 30-year-old. And and yeah. so he's the one guy you can sort of say, look, maybe you should open up the, your uh, negotiations in that regard and, and sign him till he's 37, which is a lot different than signing him till he's 41 or whatever like that crazy the most crazy deals that guys get 11 years yeah. and they're going to be like 50 when it's all over it, it, it's always stood out to me it was is it two seasons ago now when Jordan signed his yeah. extension yes well they were negotiating with Kyle I feel like around the same time yep you know they were and, and they got they got a deal with Jordan and didn't get a deal with Tucker mm-hmm. I, I would imagine that they offered him something similar. Yep. Like, oh, I'm not, sure. Not entirely well, sure. My guess is but, they didn't offer him as much as they offered Alvarez. Um, yeah, maybe not. Yeah. So, I, I mean, when you think about that, it's like, okay, Alvarez took the deal. Tucker is viewing his worth a little bit differently. Yep. So this thing is going to play out. All right. So what does this season look like? Does he put up another, you know, uh, you know, a, another high caliber season? Yeah. But – but with the defense returning back to what it used to be, yeah. you know, he's, he's gotta be a guy to watch. All right. My last guy is Jeremy Pena and listen, everybody is going to, all eyes are going to be on Pena. They're already on him. We've already watched his swing mechanics, uh, kind of ad nauseum, uh, in this preseason. Here's the thing about Pena and, uh, he his average was higher last year. His on base percentage was higher. His walk percentage was higher. His strikeout percentage was lower. Right? He did virtually everything well at the plate, be, and better than his previous season. He was also exceptional defensively as usual. The problem for Pena is he had he lost his drive capability, and I don't mean power because he hit the ball hard on the ground plenty. But he wasn't hitting the ball to the gaps. He certainly wasn't hitting home runs. He didn't have a home run the last like two and a half months of the season or whatever it was. Um, the mechanics that they worked on were specifically geared towards calming his swing down, which we've seen that from Payne. You know, he 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 had he had the leg kick for a while, and then he got rid of the leg kick. To me. It, a lot of what has happened with Jeremy Pena because he did improve like his ability to hit the breaking pitch last year. He still struggles a little, but it's better than it was. Um, the thing to me about Jeremy Pena is it's partly launch angle. It's partly barreling the ball, which he's obviously spent a lot of time working on. But for me, because he is already a strong guy, because he already has pop in his bat naturally, if he adjusts his swing angle, I think he's going to be I think he can get back to the guy we saw his rookie season. I don't ever think of – I think maybe he, the expectation because of his postseason that year was so exceptional. Uh, I think we may have overblown where we think he should be as a starting shortstop. Um, also coming off the fact that Correa was the guy before him. I I do think Payton has uh, 
should be a 20 home run a year guy. Do I think he should be 25, 30? Probably not. I've never thought really that he's that guy, but he should hit a bunch of doubles because he's got speed and he should be excellent defensively. So I am obviously I'm going to be watching that swing. I'm going to be seeing how he lines up against pitching. Um, And I think to me, the key for him this year is can he get the ball in the air more? Can he barrel the ball up and can he improve his pitch selection when he does it? And if he can do that, then I think he can elevate his game beyond being a, an average hitter and a great defensive player. Yeah, I, I think that's all Will said. Um, for me, it's <laughs> it's a lot of the part of Jeremy Pena and the outsized expectations. Yes. You know, I think the the really it was the playoff run of his rookie year and obviously winning those awards. Yep. Fi- uh, yeah. World Series MVP, like all of that on top of what you mentioned with replacing Correa. It's like, oh, Carlos Correa, who? You know, and it's right. like, oh, guys, settle down. I even remember early in the year, early that rookie year, that one of our news stations, one of our local news stations here in town was running like a Correa versus Pena graphic, like daily in the beginning of the season. And I was like, guys. Like- this is not necessary. No. Like, what are we doing? Pena is not a 30. He's not a 30-30 guy. Maybe on his best on, season. But Correa is a guy yeah. that legitimately has – he has real power. He has real – it's a very different – they're very different types of players. He certainly doesn't yeah. the arm strength Correa has either. Yeah. So, I mean, you just look at his numbers last year, Pena that is – I mean, the expected stats, all yeah. of the batting stats are just unforgiving. Yeah, his XBAs and are not good. That's been a that was none of it. Yeah. And that's and I think mostly that's because he hit the ball on the ground so much. I mean, that was that yeah. was part of the problem. He didn't get the ball up, and that was his biggest issue. He he didn't chase as much. His chase rate was lower, but but the the big problem for him is he just didn't elevate the ball. And when you don't elevate the ball, you're it's going to be good fielded, even with the new. Uh, uh, fielding rules in place. Guys are just ground balls are going to get caught by guys. I mean, that's just kind of how it works. And so you're going to have a, it's going to be harder for a guy like Pena to get better numbers when you just keep hitting the ball on the ground all the time. Yeah, but to your point about his eye being a little bit better, his his discipline at the plate being a little bit better. I mean, you talked about his strike. Both strikeouts went down and walks went up. Mm-hmm. I would say strikeouts not as significantly, but but walks fairly significantly. Yeah, that's a big deal. Getting him on the base path is important because he can run because of the speed. Yeah, so so I, I I feel good about that. I am not, and maybe it's because of the outside expectations. I've tried to temper my expectations yeah. for Pena and just and just identify him for what I believe he is, which is a somewhat average to sometimes you know sketchy to below average hitting. Mm-hmm but elite defensive shortstop, which I would take on a a team like this, as long as, as long as you've got other guys. And, and like you mentioned, the, the speed on the base pass, um, the, the strength, obviously the, Mm -hmm. the build and the power, if he does make contact and if he is, you know, the, the launch angle and barreling the ball and things like you mentioned, if he's actually doing those things, he can, you know, he can provide some pop for you in the lineup as well. If he improves, I I don't listen, if he can improve his average, and and you know if he becomes a two sixty hitter, 
right? Yeah. Then he becomes kind of a prototypical number two in your lineup, right? Which yeah. is where he's yeah. hit the best, you know, in his career. He becomes a guy that you get him on base enough, especially if you can get his OPS uh, his, or his uh, on-base percentage, his OBS, excuse me. If you get that up, you know, in the 300s, you know, yeah. then there's a real good reason to put him at number two. And he becomes that kind of perfect hitter for there. You don't have to hit loads of home runs in the second yeah. spot in the lineup. You just have to get on base. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if he, yeah, I, if he doesn't, I, then you're going to have to put him further down the lineup. He's going to be a seven or eight guy. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm strong either optimistic or pessimistic, but I am very intrigued by it. Because I think where I'm at with it is that I, I became resigned to yeah. – what I felt like he was last year. Yeah, and Brandon, I, and that's I feel right. Like I'm okay. Me too. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, I, but I'll take it if he, you know, if there's any of the improvements of the things that we just talked Agreed. about. Agreed. All right, who's your last guy? I feel like it's got to be Alex Bregman. I don't know if we can I'm get out so of I'm so glad you brought him up. He was, him. he was probably in my number six. But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean – well, and I think one of the ones that we probably shared was Jake Myers, mm-hmm. but because uh, that would have been one that I would have mentioned. But I, I don't think we can get out of here without mentioning him. You know, you have Alex to. Bregman, big year. The spring training headline that stood out to me from Alex was the twenty-three pounds or twenty foot, whatever, how many pounds he said he's gained. It's more than twenty, which I thought was a little odd because I didn't but find that necessary. He's been eating a lot of Breggy Bomb salsa. So it's been happening. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Crushing maybe the so. chips. Far be it for me. Yeah, far be it for me to give Alex Bregman dietary well, advice. It's an interesting, I, I, I won't do it. It is a really interesting headline, too, because like Bregman, I've never he, he, it's never struck me that Bregman's skill set has come from his pa- from his strength. Most of his skill set comes from the fact that he has one of the quickest bats in baseball. I mean, he turns yeah. on a ball as quick as anybody does. And he's so yeah. nimble at third base for a guy that's not like huge uh, with a good yeah. arm. I never thought of him as a guy that needed to pack on extra strength. Now, maybe it's for longevity. Maybe it's for injury reasons or whatever. But it is interesting. Well, You're right. Well, but, but for me, especially after – the last couple of years of being healthy. Yeah. You know, he went he went through that two or three year stretch, whatever it was, with all the soft tissue injuries. Yeah. And then you look at the last couple of years and he's, you know, close to Iron Man. What did he play 160 and, games last year? Something crazy? I mean he yeah, yeah, almost yeah, almost all of them. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's and and the year before I feel like he played a significant number of the games, if I'm not mistaken. And let's be honest, so, they need yeah. him because there ain't nobody behind him. I mean, Ooh, I don't even I think they have like they don't really even have a third baseman. They probably won't have a backup third baseman in their 26-man roster, which is crazy. Now, they've got this kid, oh. Zach DeZenzo, in, in the minor leagues who's on the 40-man, who has the potential to be their third baseman of the future. But he's not ready yeah. yet. And so he's going to have to play a bunch of games because you're going to put it third. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it that way. That's a good point, too. And, and maybe it's because he has been Ironman the last couple of years. He hasn't really had to worry about it much. But yeah, no, that's that's a good way to think about it. Um, obviously, the contract yeah. stuff is right there. You know, all all of that is looming over a guy that we're talking about who's got a contract coming up in the next year or two. I just can't but, see but them. He's, he's the obvious one. I just so. can't see them extending him. I just I, I want. No. I'd love for them to extend him because I think he yeah. fits this team perfectly. He's been here a long time. He's really entrenched in the community and 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 with the ball club. I just don't see it because I, I look. He's a Scott Boris guy. 
We've read all about the Scott Boris four that are still out there on the, you know, <coughs> that still haven't signed contracts yet. Um, yeah. That are still sitting out there because they want better deals. I just have a hard time imagining Bregman being a guy who's like, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, I'll take five, six years and whatever money. Cause, and, and I see people talk about to the um, amount per year. I don't think he cares. I think he, that that's, I think he wants length. I don't think he wants this to be yeah. the last deal he signs, which who could blame yeah. him? Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like he already did the short extension. Yeah. You know, and even at the time, and it ended up being a reasonable deal. And, you know, and I remember some of my friends were telling me at the time even that it was a reasonable deal. But I thought at the time, because Alex Bregman to me seemed to be on this ascension, uh, maybe I out. Well, he was outsized expectations. He's the third for MVP in, was it 2019, I guess? Oh, I thought he was, was he not second? Yeah, he's second. You're right, second. Right right behind Trout. Yeah, I, I mean, there was. There was a time there where I thought he was kind of lowballed a little bit. Oh, for sure. And, and again, it, it ended up being a decent deal. But you know, if I'm Alex Bregman, oh, I might, if I'm I might Alex Bregman, that's not a, that's a terrible deal. I'm Alex Bregman. Yeah. I went, you know, yeah. and and look, I just think that again, I do not, and I'm with you. I do not disagree with the Astros' philosophy on signing long-term deals. As a whole, I think it's it is you know look the Astros are going to be for all of the complaints and and bitchiness about Jim Crane and not spending they're going to be top five in payroll this year. The last time they were top yeah. five in payroll was 2019 when they had arguably the best team of this entire era. So yeah. <clears throat> they're going to be really really good. They're going to spend a lot of money, but I'm with them. You know, on this like I don't know signing guys for ten years is does it ever work out? Yeah, yeah, know. no. Uh, a ten-year commitment is serious, no matter what the context is. Yeah, I don't care who it is. I don't care who it is. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Even Otani yeah. got that money. I don't know. Is Otani going to be that good? Ten years? Well, so 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 that that's different because Otani comes with a lot of other things, right? You know that are that I think go beyond just if he can pitch again. The, the question. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I think if he can pitch again and. And who knows, maybe he becomes like a reliever or something or just like, you know, I don't know. But if he can pitch again, Otani represents a lot of other things that go beyond just the question sure. that you asked. Will he be still The be question does come up. If he's not a pitcher, yeah. is did you just sign uh, a DH to a 10-year? <laughs> you know, if he isn't yeah. able to pitch, did you just give yeah. uh, $700 million to a DH? But the but again though the fame and the notoriety everything yeah. outside of just the actual game itself that it brings like we I think we expect him to be to be a good hitter as long as he can as long as he can stand you know like oh, I yeah. think he'll he'll be a good hitter but so so there will be some utility to him baseball wise because he can hit he's a big old dude who can hit and and you know hit left handed hundred percent but the other stuff. It's really just added bonus because we've seen it before. It's the reason why he got this deal. And then there's the there's the fame, I think, domestically and internationally to where you could make the argument that you'll, you know, the the Dodgers will make their money back before he you know, the whatever money they spend on him, they might make that back before he's bad. Yeah. No. Like by the time he by by the time he sucks, (laughs) it's worked out. There's no doubt about that. There's no well, Brandon, thank you so much, my friend, for joining me. Really appreciate it. What do you got going on? I know you're. Are you? I know you're on. You seem to be on the radio a lot. 
which is which is which is good. Yeah. I'm glad to see it. I know yeah, you do a so, lot of social media stuff and stuff, but you seem to be on there a bunch. Yeah, I've got my weekly spots with the drive. That's at 440 <clears throat> on Wednesdays. So today, I mean, it, it depends on what the season is. But you know, we'll talk. You know, Texans, Rockets. I think right now we're kind of in, in a Rockets mode. I wouldn't mind if we, you know, switched that over to Astros at some point. But talk to them come hell or high water at 440 on Wednesdays, and I'm within the loop on Thursdays at 11. That's every week. So you can hear that. And then when any of those guys take off, I'm somewhere around lurking and able to come fill in and, and make it happen. That's so awesome, I did man. That I'm so happy. in the week and I'll do it again. I'll do it again later in the week, too. Y'all check me out with uh, with Landry, I think, Friday. Nice. 11 to 2. Nice. So, yeah. And where, where, do, where do people find you on socials? Yeah. So at Brandon K. Scott on X, formerly known as Twitter, at B. Scott from Hiram Clark, as Jeff mentioned earlier in the show. <laughs> on Instagram and on the side I also do a Rockets podcast, H Town Hoops podcast with with Adam Spillane. Yeah, that's a good podcast by the way. Astros. <clears throat> you guys should tune Appreciate into that. that. It is a good podcast, yeah. man. There's lots of good info in there. Rockets. Yeah. I mean, look, I grew up basketball first. That was my, yeah. you know, uh it was Same. basketball and baseball were real close for me and I love football Same. too. But uh <clears throat> so yeah, I follow the Rockets like crazy. Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, so ex- exciting time uh, over there. It's exciting and complicated. Yeah, well, I, I think the complication of it is the excitement because <laughs> it's like it's like it's been a long time since I could celebrate the actual basketball. Right? But the the stories are a little bit more interesting now than they were before. Absolutely, uh, whether they win or lose. Absolutely, so, it totally is. Well, Brandon, yeah. thanks so much for joining me, guys. Definitely go out, give him a follow on socials. Always good to look. We'll be back next week with a, and I might have a little Friday update. I've been doing these little five minute Friday little updates on YouTube. I might do that again this week. Uh, <clears throat> give me a follow on uh, Twitter, X, Instagram at Believe in Astros, and me at Jeff Balky. Pretty much everywhere you want. Subscribe on the YouTube channel so you get alerted to new videos. Keep leaving questions and comments. You guys are awesome about that. Really, really good stuff. And, uh, of course, we're in the middle of spring training, so this is time to be paying close attention. Because, listen, once we get into the season, it's going to be too damn stressful to be, like, sitting around, like, conjecturing about whether Forrest Whitley is going to be good in the bullpen or not. Can't do that crap when the season starts. we got to worry about that right now. So uh, thanks again, Brandon, for joining me. Thanks to you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next time. As always, go Astros.